I am so sick of the media dictating the terms of the narrative in this country. I'm so sick of having to be apologetic for who I am. I'm so sick of people in middle America being called a flyover country or slope-headed conservative teabaggers. And it's going to be teabagging day. It's hard to talk when you're teabagging. <laughs> it's so funny because the teabaggers, the one thing they hate is when you call them racist. If racism is not the whole of the Tea Party, it is in its heart. The it's hatred that is Timothy McVeigh that he had. There are plenty of people like that right now. Lots of them. I think you get the general tenor of this. It's anti-government since this is highly promoted by the right-wing conservative network Fox. The left pits people against each other. Divide and conquer is the strategy. I don't want to live in that world. It is the exact opposite of e pluribus unum. And what the left has stood for with political correctness is to try and get those with whom they disagree to shut up. And the Tea Party movement and Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman and Alan West and and all the all the people that have gone out there against the mainstream media and said, you're going to call us racist. You're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's Fuck you. War. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Road Warrior Radio. You are tuned in live this Friday, March 10, 2023 on the one and only Republic Broadcasting Network. And as always, thanks for coming along for the ride. It is a wild and dystopic ride. I am your host, Chris Hinckley, and we are all road warriors, those who would esteem ourselves to be. And, you know, obviously while we still have uh, road and conveyances that don't drive themselves so to speak i i have the privilege this morning of welcoming a special guest by special arrangement obviously we've sort of been talking about this over the last week and a half or so and uh it was really at brian and jenna's behest for some period of time that um arrangements were made to have amon jabi on and i'm excited to have him on this morning there's obviously a lot of crossover and subject matter uh, things that I've discussed or things that he's discussing. And the thing that I would say that I appreciate most about what Aman has been doing um, in recent months, shall we say, um, in the interviews, which seem to be very popular, uh, is really compressing information that you have heard on this network for the last 25 years, but, you know, we're all so, I don't know, maybe strung out is not the the right way to put it, but we've, there's been a lot of content put out over the years on this network, obviously. And whenever Aman has uh, given his presentation information, it's a compressed and condensed version of that, which I think is very helpful for everyone, whether you're a 
seasoned veteran of things aren't exactly as we're told or you're just sort of coming into the discussion, that's extremely helpful. And so obviously he has a very well-rounded and comprehensive uh, understanding of, of the ills that plague us and some of the, the ways that they touch us directly. So I'm, I'm going to get out of Amon's way in a second. He has a background in technology that I think lends itself very well to understanding um, the surveillance state and the way that it's shaping up and has been for years. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but um, welcome, Amon. Thank you for, for taking time to come on to the broadcast. Chris, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. So I suppose we should start with your uh, background. It's um, the the camera technology is something that you mentioned. The companies that you were uh, co-founder of, I think Pelican and Metalens, right? That's right, yeah. And so, uh, so do you want to... Yeah, I can give, give you, you know, brief background. Uh, sure. I have a high-tech career spanning well over 25 years, uh, most of it in Silicon Valley. And I focused on visual computing all my career, pretty much. Uh, so that spanned, uh, you know, video and imaging streaming technologies, as well as doing cameras for smartphones, mobile imaging, uh, cameras for uh, automobiles, autonomous driving, uh, Face ID cameras for OEMs, which is your smartphone manufacturers. And I've sold optics and image sensors and cameras into pretty much every marketplace in consumer electronics. Uh, I've been more in the product and engineering side and also an executive. I co-founded two camera startup companies, Pelican Imaging and um, Metalens. Cumulatively, uh, we raised over $80 million for the two companies over their lifespan. And uh, so I have a very good insight on how the money flows from Wall Street to venture capital and private equity and how it comes to the entrepreneurs and how entrepreneurs are, you know, given the carrots of uh, extreme wealth if they pursue directions that big brother wants them to of course yeah. we as entrepreneurs have no idea that we are building our own digital prison yeah and it's only hindsight that everything uh, came together and the dots started to connect over the last few years so i mean would you say while you're sort of working in the industry it's kind of it's kind of difficult to see the forest for the trees and like you said you're just kind of down in it and you know, going through it and obviously trying to to make money for your company. And if you if you have investors, obviously trying to make money for them and difficult to kind of see the the bigger picture. That's mostly true. And plus, I think I had. I had a different view of the world uh, in Silicon Valley from most of my contemporaries and colleagues. Uh, I came from a background where I used to read a lot as a teenager. And I grew up through, the, you know, looking at the world through the lens of liberty. And uh, I was a fish out of water in Silicon Valley for pretty much all my career. Uh, I also was fortunate to have an insight because of my startups where I worked with venture capitalists 
intimately and you know the venture partners so i started to you know ask questions in my head on why investment goes in a certain direction yeah and while i didn't find an answer overnight i started to find some answers and connect the dots over time in fact one of the startups i was working on yet another third startup in 2014 i talked to a fortune 50 venture capital group um in the east coast and they wanted to integrate my computer vision and camera technology with smart cities and that is when you know 8 years ago i came across the term smart cities and started to get an insight on where the world was heading mm-hmm. and then of course when you're talking to uh, oems and you know automobile manufacturers that are building autonomous driving cars and they want to have 16 to 24 cameras inside and outside the camera uh, Uh, the world uh, the cameras inside and outside the cars the goal is to map the world in real time and always be detecting objects and people and movements in real time yeah so the cameras in your car are not for convenience to make your reverse driving uh, easier which is uh, uh, you know it's a very interesting thing so one of the things we've talked about on this broadcast speaking of the smart city concept is basically how if you're if you're paying attention you know the way that i put it if we keep you know the the when in your interview with buck johnson you mentioned that he put it very well um i think the way he put it was something along the lines of we're being seduced by convenience and it's so so it's always under the name of convenience and um my question is i mean there's a there's a an argument to be made for convenience obviously but at some point i think we have to ask ourselves if we keep automating away these mundane repetitive tasks as they say then at what point when i don't have to you know brush my teeth or tie my shoes or drive myself to work or respond to an email or a text message or even answer a phone call at what point do i cease to exist if everything is automated you know, away you know, that's that's a good question i mean as i say you know go back go back to the early 90s when computers started to get cheaper and yeah. consumer electronics started to get cheaper and we've been given carrots over the last 30 plus years so that all these devices could come to homes ubiquitously yeah and uh, it was for obviously entertainment and convenience and now a lot of the technologies are being developed for safety and security yeah. because of 911 was the trigger point where safety and security became uh and you know omnipresent buzzword or mm-hmm. everything and they would use those words safety and security to override and justify anything yeah i think a and big point the americans unfortunately accepted it because uh, you know hook line and sinker yeah to sort of cut to the chase a little bit i'm sure we can talk about this more but you have made the uh very salient point that you know a lot of people are fighting uh straw man arguments basically in quixotic fashion kind of tilting at windmills when that's not going to result in anything and what i mean specifically is you have talked about the technology and where the fight should be made and and you are basically saying the hardware at a local level if i could say it 
you know, that way and particularly the cameras, obviously. And the point that you've made, for example, is that, you know, by the time it gets to the facial recognition software, because there's, um, what is it, HJ48, I think, in Montana. And that's right. And you spoke, uh, you've spoken about that facial recognition and its perils. Um, by the time it gets to that point and the data is distributed across the blockchain, for example, it's too late. That's not localized. And so there's nothing you can do about it at a local level. Right. So there were, you, there are multiple questions and layers uh, that you kind of brought up. Uh, let me see if I can unpack it in a way that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So let's, let's kind of first start with HJ48 in Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actively attending those meetings. Uh, this is for people who don't know, HJ48 is the Economics Affairs Committee in the state of Montana, which was put together to evaluate you know, you, the use of facial recognition technologies uh, in Montana by the state and the authorities. And I read... Uh, what was going on, I spoke to a couple of state senators personally, and uh, they had no idea what they were doing. They thought banning facial recognition at a state level solves the problem. Mm-hmm. And really the problem is that facial recognition technologies is about three major components, right? It's about uh, the Internet of Things or the cameras and sensors that are taking your images of your face or video of your face. That's number one. Number two is when the images are sent to the cloud, it's artificial intelligence and intelligence software working on those images and determining the identity of the person. And number three is the storage where all the data is stored, like who is who and what your face looks like. And the entire focus of HA48 is on the storage and the access but really, the problem is the fact that there are cameras and sensors that are capturing your face. And none of the politicians or the senators in the state want to even touch on that. Mm-hmm. Even after I explained clearly to everybody, both at a personal you know, one-on-one meeting with some senators as well as uh, at the sessions live. And this is now happening in multiple states are looking at facial recognition and it's really a red herring to take the conversation away from where the people need to address is the hardware infrastructure for the smart cities that include the facial recognition cameras, the license plate readers, radars, the LED lights, the microwave towers, because the hardware infrastructure is what allows the data to be captured and sent to artificial intelligence to be processed. And uh, most people don't understand that. And the ones that do, they don't have the chops to speak up against it. Yeah, and this has been coming for a long time. You know, we're just sort of, you know, really kind of starting to, I think a lot of people are finally starting to see this is what some of us would call a digital panopticon. It's shaping up, but it's been coming for a long time the uh, de- the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles and Licensing in, in various states have been using the facial recognition technology for a long time. They've been using the license plate readers. I, when I was uh, living in Post Falls, 
uh, I remember back in 2008 when it was one of the pilot cities to uh, install the the cameras on streetlights and things, and people were thinking, why is this necessary in sleepy little Post Falls, Idaho? And uh, right. so, I mean, it's been coming for a long time. Now we're starting to hear from people like Shoshana Zuboff, who coined the term surveillance capitalism, and you know other people on this broadcast. I've pointed for more than a decade to Paul Ohm's uh, amazing paper titled Broken Promises of Privacy, Responding to the Surprising Failure of Anonymization, where he talked about uh, the fact that privacy and even with uh, – you know, factoring in the subject of PII, personally identifiable information, that is a myth. And data is either useful or private. They're inverse in proportionality. So he, he was basically saying that by recombining databases, we can de-anonymize and re-identify. And I think that your uh, presentation and what you've been talking about really speaks to that fact. Yeah. So I, I, I want to bring this up again and again and again till people stop talking about privacy. They won't understand where this is going. Yeah. Personally, I don't think privacy is an issue because there's no not going to be any human being who's going to have access to your data ultimately when the whole system achieves steady state. It's only algorithms that will have access to your data. Right? So whenever, if you hear politicians pushing bills to preserve the privacy of their citizens, it's a red herring. When you read articles in newspapers or hear television, you know, documentaries saying how the privacy of our citizens is being, you know, uh, violated, it's a red herring. The issue people need to understand is that this is not surveillance. What the, What is being done is our data is being collected in real time all the time. And the more data that is collected, the more data that is processed and analyzed by artificial intelligence, the more the control comes back upon us. So data collection is all about control and you are monitored, you're measured, analyzed, managed, and then ultimately monetized. Right. And privacy is the red herring. Anytime you hear or read about somebody fighting for your privacy, run or expose them. This is about a control system that's coming down. And in the process, you know, fake legal instruments and fake financial instruments are being set up and have been set up in Wall Street and beyond to monetize everything in nature mm -hmm. from human beings to animals to plants. Absolutely. We're about to head into a break, and there's, I think, a lot more that we could say about that. The, most people don't understand the subtleties and the nuance to the control, and so maybe we could speak to that when we come back from the break. Sure thing. My guest, Aman Jabi, folks, stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. Consider this. 
dead people see only what they want to see. And frankly, most of us are still dead. Let me give you the lessons of gold and five easy lessons. Number one, don't buy it because you need to make money. You buy gold because you need to protect the money you already have. Don't ever look at the price as a barrier. Look at it as an incentive. Number three, don't buy its paper pretenders. We talked about that a lot. Buy gold. Buy the real thing in the form of coins and bullion. Fourth, don't fall prey to glitzy television or Facebook ads. Do your due diligence instead. And that's what I try to provide you with and have for 26 and a half years on the air and 30 years in this profession. Fifth, don't allow naysayers to divert your interest. Allow yourself the right to protect your interests as you see fit. Jeff Bennett here. One of the ways you can do that is to contact Kettle Moraine Limited. Contact me by calling or texting me at 602-799-8214. 602-799-8214. You can also email me at kettlemoraineltd at cox.net. Let me help you protect your wealth and your family today. Once again, call or text us at 602-799-8214 or visit our website, sierramadrepreciousmetals.com. Be glad to help you out. Be glad to answer your questions. That's what we're here for. No pressure, just good, hard, common sense. The decision then becomes up to you. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we have been building our online store. While we have been focusing on bringing you the best talk show host in the country, here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we also want our listeners to have products they can use every day and in times of emergency. We have added new products each week to our store. Your support of this network, plus products at the best prices, is a win-win situation. Check out our new store. Go to our website, republicbroadcasting.org, and click on the online store located at the top of our website. Together, we can continue to grow RBN and help our listeners prepare for the future. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on our online store or call us. 800-724-2719, extension 3. 800-724-2719, extension 3. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Feeling 
fish in the sea. You know how I feel. River running free. You know how I feel. Blossom on the tree. You know how I feel. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. Dragonfly out in the sun. You know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun. You know what I mean? Sleep in peace when day is done. That's what I mean. And this old world is a new world and a bold world for me. All right, we're having a back channel discussion. I apologize. Sorry for the delay there. We are back again. I'm back with uh, Aman Javi, my special guest, and um, I suspect we could probably talk for a long time on air, off air. Anyway, um, we're so we're sort of unpacking the the uh, subject that you were touching on before we went into the break, and I mentioned the recent article by John and Nisha Whitehead. Uh, over at the Rutherford Institute, which is republished on RBN titled Don't Bow Down to a Dictatorial Government. America is a prison disguised as paradise. And they obviously explore the subject of the panopticon, Jeremy Bentham and the panopticon. So in their article, John and Nisha Whitehead, they mention Foucault, and I'm not a fan, as I've mentioned on this broadcast many times, but the point is very salient. Foucault, they write, concluded in his 1975 book, Discipline and Punish, that visibility is a trap. And you were talking uh, uh, off air about the Internet of Eyes. That's right. So a few years ago, I was at a venture capital summit in New York City, and uh, it was all about vision and there was a term called the Internet of Eyes, and there was a prediction at the time that there's going to be 40 billion cameras in the world by the end of 2022. And, you know, I, my mind started to wonder more and more why we need to have so many cameras. And, of course, you know, now the vision is crystal clear on what's coming. So this visibility is a trap or the Internet of Eyes. It's the all-seeing eye. We are, we are being watched, analyzed, logged, you know, monetized, and managed and controlled all the time. And we don't even know it. And this is linked to everybody's digital ID. I haven't spoken about that on today's show, but I think you certainly know and many of your listeners will know. But 
There's a concept called the digital identity that was introduced by the World Economic Forum uh, more than four years ago. And in a very incremental way and in different incremental ways, it's coming to many countries in the world and eventually it's going to come to every country in the world. It's being ushered in through bribery, uh, through universal basic income. It's being ushered in, in through, uh, you know, apps and free money in Ukraine. It, uh, Ukraine unrolled an app with a digital ID in April of 2022. Uh, it's already here in India in terms of an Aadhaar system, and it came more than four years ago. Yeah, uh, It's coming to the U.S. through, uh, you know, something known as ID.me combined with your uh, benefits for employment and social security and paying your taxes online through the IRS. Yeah. It's come to East Palestine and Ohio through disaster re- relief, uh, you know, free bans on your wrist. So it's coming in many ways and it's coming incrementally. The way the and two just, big ways that I've seen it, obviously, the last three years, we've seen a direct correlation with the digital ID and COVID, but also what they call the unbanked people who are unbanked, the poor, disenfranchised, unbanked, if only they had a way to participate right. in the credit monopoly. Anyway, right. we're headed into another and, break. And, and, right. Okay, I'll keep quiet now. Stick around, folks. We'll be right back with my special guest, Aman Jabi, right after this short break. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to T-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 Carcass Drop and Lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. 
Tune in Saturday mornings, 8 to 10 Central, to the Alternative Media with your host, Farron. If you've not been listening, this is some of what you've been missing. 2,000 mules, like you like you like to say occasionally, Farron, in your face. They, they, they might have a, a set of lactating mammaries available that could provide milk for their adopted children. Listen, news media, all pulling off this gigantic fraud. Rhino, neocon, cucks. There's this wonderful thing that's called Vote With Your Feet. Move to California. I am a conspiracy factualist, and everyone else is a reality theorist. Hundreds, if not thousands, of ships came out of nowhere. Give me liberty or let's give you death. Any excuse to go in and kill yourself for this, this, this fraud of a government. This goes back a hundred years. When they come for your gold, give them a lead. And when they come for your guns, give them the bullets first. And God help us all. having a lively discussion during the break and julie is keeping an eye on us so i appreciate that making sure that we don't get lost in discussion like a couple of schoolgirls. i don't know um let me back up a little bit it's the bottom of the first hour and so my guest my special guest today is aman jabi i'm very grateful to have him he has a background and a wealth of knowledge from the technology sector in particular having been the co-founder of a couple of tech startups, particularly dealing with the camera uh, technology. And that's really, I, I would say, a focal point of uh, the information that he brings to light publicly. You can find Amon on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon pretty soon, maybe in a month or two, you said maybe in a week or two, depending on support. And I think that people on this network would probably be interested in supporting your work. So um, you are a you are not a conspiracy theorist. You are you have oppositional defiance disorder, and something tells me when you uh, your working definition of that term is probably not synonymous with the DSM five. <laughs> yeah, I have occupation. Disorder, that's right. <laughs> Defiance disorder. Uh, we were just sort of what, talking I, about that, joking in the off-air. off, off, off air. I was mentioning the, uh, you know, P2OG meets R2P is something that I've talked about on this broadcast. Is two sides of the same coin where you stimulate a response below the CNN line, as they say. And then once somebody says, hey, that's not cool, knock it off, then they go, aha, we have a responsibility to protect or prevent bad things from happening. And you feckless children, 
because we've li- we live in a society that's been infantilized. You poor feckless children can't help yourselves. So we have a responsibility to do that. Well, and your I would I suspect your oppositional defiance disorder is directed at that kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, nine eleven was the 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 ultimate trigger point for me. Uh, you know, that, that's when I actually started to do deep dive research outside of you know traditional reading on macroeconomics and you know theoretical stuff. Uh, and then I I noticed. Uh, I mean, I think anyone who had their antennas up post nine eleven, we had a TSA equivalent in pretty much every country within months. Imagine that. Imagine that, right? What a coincidence. And it's the same thing. When COVID was announced in one place, every country had their COVID, uh, you know, um, response ready within weeks, if not days. Yeah. Well, one of the things we've mentioned on this broadcast is how there was um, there were some funny things going on in the wake of 9-11 with regard to, um, you know, health issues, shall we say, and without diving down that rabbit hole, Whitney Webb, I think, is one of the premier researchers on that. Robert Cadleck and friends who were engineering what's been referred to as FBI thrax. Um, many of us are familiar with Event 201, but there are several other scenario planning events that uh, Johns Hopkins and the Center for Health Security in particular hosted Previously, I think Event 201 was number five, and those go all the way back to, and I think they actually predate FBI thrax, where, you know, it's an anthrax scare. Oh, but it came from a, from an FBI lab. Oops, never mind that. But then shortly after those things started happening in the early uh, years, post-9-11 years, then all of a sudden we saw a national uh, pandemic response initiative rollout, and then – by 2006, that was about 2005, then 2006, all of the states got them simultaneously in the same fashion that you're talking about. The world got, um, you know, we all got these pandemic response plans. And I actually attended a meeting in um, Idaho, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, where there was a panel of um, health administrators that were basically, it was it was kind of a consensus building um Delphi technique type of uh, an operation and I had a copy of the pandemic response plan and I was reading from it and I said you know it says that in a state declared emergency like you know a pandemic the state uh, what is it the um, one person I forget the title of the person who is not elected can implement the response phase which includes mass vaccination even though an outbreak did not occur that's literally what it says and i was reading from the document and i said are we concerned about this and they said ah it doesn't mean what it means and i said well then why would they put it in here right so you know it's the appointed state health uh you know whoever the person who's appointed at the top and it's an unelected person and if you notice i mean this i might be digressing and i don't want to go there really but a lot of the local you know the people who are implementing policy and all these are not elected people yeah they're appointed they come from ngos and so on and so forth but Mm -hmm. and the talking points certainly do and the money seems to kind of 
shuffle in from outside the local environment. Yeah, I, I think the way it happens is from the federal government come grants, and grants are really another word for bribes, because when somebody is given a grant, whether it's from a philanthropic organization or from the federal government, they have to sign paperwork. Yeah. And if look, one said the paperwork, they are giving up rights of the people of the land, and uh, there's a lot of uh, non-disclosure agreements and gag orders in parallel being signed. So it's a very devious scheme that's been set up and mastered by, you know, the puppeteers yeah. for a very long time. One of the things, you know, just to sort of flesh this out a little bit, like how would this work, you know, all of what you're talking about, I think of the Strategic Capabilities Office, which was set up by Ash Carter as Defense Secretary, I think back in 2012. And um, it's one of those DARPA-esque kinds of um, offices that was created by Ash Carter to sort of bridge the gap. My understanding is, you know, they were exploring, it's kind of the lean startup model applied to DARPA in a sense, but also trying to retrofit old technology with the new stuff. And one of the things that they were doing was, you know, there's that terabit or terapixel uh, camera initiative. And they were basically trying to retrofit warheads with, you know, massive numbers of cameras. And, and you know, uh, Ash Carter spoke about this, I think after year one or year two of, you know, a few several billion dollars being poured into this office no one's ever heard of. And he was talking about, you know, retrofitting these warheads with numerous cameras and how they were so cheap and inexpensive and it's so easy. And I just think of like your background and before someone really realizes, you know, comes out of the compartmentalization and sees what's actually happening. If you're just trying to make money for your company, that sounds like a great idea. Let us get some of that free money from the strategic capabilities office and retrofit warheads so uh, to be honest i have not heard of this office i've heard of a lot of the offices and i do a lot of research on three-letter agencies and you know how they are funded and this yeah. one i haven't come across but i promise to start my research tomorrow well it's interesting you know because of those kinds of things and obviously i'm sure you're familiar with like you know inqtel the cia's venture capital front and um, I call them the rudder. To, uh, to be honest, uh, Pelican Imaging, my first startup that I was a co-founder and CEO of, mm -hmm. we had an investment, a small investment from NQTEL actually. So I'm very familiar with that firm and the people in that company. So what what ends up happening, you know, there was – I talked for a few years about how you could go on the NQTEL website and they would, they would brag about how it was at, at the last – count like for every dollar inqtel invests in something it brings eleven dollars from venture capital in tow in other words it's kind of the rudder of technological innovation and development google does similar things with google ventures where they have they say 300 million dollars set aside annually for the most disruptive person they say and um so 
you can see to your point about how, you know, even from a development standpoint, um, that kind of money has tremendous influence on the things that get developed and the ways they get developed and where that technology goes. And I don't think most people have any idea how that works. Yeah, you're, you're not far from the truth there. I mean, though my company, they were not a lead investor, and so they didn't lead the rest of the – they were a follow-on investor. But the fact that they do invest, uh, that certainly brings a lot of attention to the company. Yeah, another – just a brief aside before we get back on track that um, really I think underscores the point here is uh, we play a clip from George Friedman who is the um, founder of Stratfor, uh, CIA front think tank. Um, he gave a talk at Brain Bar Budapest back in 2017 and it's on YouTube titled Is There a Global War Coming? And the first 10 minutes, you know, he, he, he glibly sort of says uh, – is there a global war coming, you say? And he says, of course, there's never been a century there hasn't been war. And he goes, in fact, war is sitting with you right now in your pocket. I introduced to you the iPhone. And then he goes through how all of the technology in the phone was developed by the military, essentially. And then, of course, he mentions the ARPANET as the precursor to what we call the Internet and all that fun stuff. Again, for for the things you talk about, I think these are salient reminders we forget too easily. Yeah, that's not inaccurate, but it's not the whole truth. There's much more to it, right? If you go back to American history, just we've been at uh, the the United States has been at war against the United States citizens since 1933, since the War Powers Act was at signed least, by yeah. So at least, I mean, people can go back to other milestones and inflection points in American history, but uh, we've been living under a big damn lie, and we still are. And so while we are having this conversation with lots of truths uh, based on current events and where the world is going with respect to the fourth industrial revolution, there's a lot of underlying uh, machinations that most people in the world and i'd say over 99 percent of the people in the world are unaware of i agree one of the other points that you make very well i think that uh you make i think um uniquely well shall i say is the concept of the reverse prison and denial of services do you want to talk about that it's a digital yes, prison, but it Thank works you. in reverse. It works in re It's more like a, a negative of a print. The open air prison is what you call it, right? Yes. So, so in a typical prison, uh, you know, a prisoner is behind bars, and there are locks on the doors of the, you know, the the little prison cells, and in order to get out of that prison, you know, somebody has to come and unlock it. And what I kind of interpret is we are in open air concentration camp or in a digital prison where you cannot see the bars of your prison, number one, right? And number two is while you may not have four tight walls around you, everything you want to access, whether it's your bank account, your automobile, your ability to move, to send an email, 
to meet people ultimately when this digital prison achieves steady state and the clampdown occurs everything else will be in a prison and you will not be able to access it until you have the required currency in the digital currency world which is the central banking digital currency and it's all about conditional access there'll be conditions attached to your currency every time you want to use it and that is going to be implemented through a concept called zero trust it's in cybersecurity protocols with computer companies uh, zero trust is all about linking your status to the stakeholders saying you are a criminal by default we don't trust you and you need to authenticate yourself and prove that you are trustworthy now that that's through your central banking digital currency which will have three major components there may be more later but it's going to have your carbon credits your reputation capital or your social credits and it's going to have your medical or booster or jab status so well, it's linked to your currency of compliance and control this is america you know that sounds like a neo feudalist sort of system that's you're guilty until proven innocent this is america we're we're innocent until proven guilty or at least we presume and so again i'm being facetious and it's a rude awakening but you know you've mentioned in your previous interviews that this is usually the moment where you know friends have spoken about revelation 13 and uh verse 17 in particular for example he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except that he has the mark Yes uh, I have Christian friends I have never studied the revelation in fact I am not studied in the bible or christianity to any meaningful sense but I do have Christian friends with a lot of faith and they've told me you know what they read and what's written in the revelation and beyond and uh, what I believe I speak about it parallels what they say I couldn't agree more. I don't doubt it and I don't doubt it and you know through my own intellectual pursuits and conclusions I've come to the conclusion that that at the highest level this is a war on the human spirit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We're headed into another break folks stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables and meats are suitable for everyday use and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free and our stringent quality controls plus testing for heavy metals makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on long-term food storage in the rotating sponsors banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. 
Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. Final segment of the first hour of today's Road Warrior Radio broadcast, this Friday, March 10th, 2023. I have uh, with me my special guest, Aman Jabi, and um, have the privilege of uh, having him on for both hours today. So we'll do that in the second hour, too, coming up in just a minute. But before we do that, uh, we're going to talk about um, geofencing and smart cities right now real quick. Sure. Um, so, we, 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 do you have a specific question, Chris? Well, uh, I think the way that you talk about geofencing is is very arresting. Uh, I think that it is uh, you have a way that is particularly uncanny in describing how it works. But um, I wouldn't say that I have a question per se. I did see an article. That was posted yesterday on RBN revealed secret DHS domestic intelligence gathering program uh, nobody knows about, which is the uh, Politico's written about it. It's the um, where is it overt human intelligence collection program. Anyway, this just reminded me of the um, the numerous 
points of collection and um you know all of these things that uh the the points of collection that you've talked about people don't realize the gps devices dash cameras drones store security cameras um fitbits alexa among the uh, the things you know the way that these guys describe the the architecture it's going to fade into the walls or the you know background yeah. and we're not going to notice it and i think we're already there and they mentioned geofencing and geotracking in that article okay so let let me intercept here but uh, just to be quick i don't want to go into details since i've spoken on these subjects quite a lot but smart cities are essentially um being sold to the to you know everybody as part of the sustainable development goals the goal is to make cities smart and energy efficient and be totally optimized for a sustainable future and it also ties into the zero carbon footprint for you know it's called the net zero 2050 they want to have better air quality the way it's being sold is better air quality smart lighting water management noise pollution traffic monitoring energy management it's the inversion unfortunately smart cities are going to be essentially lockdown cities where human beings in cities are going to be limited in terms of mobility in terms of how far they can go it's linked to what many people will read our uh, 15 minute cities and they are really human containment zones so we're headed into a break again the human containment zones are where people are being herded even though people are trying to escape in droves isn't it interesting that when things happen we'll just put it that way people seem to flee for the mountains and <laughs> not the smart city funny how that works but well that depends on the percentage of the population but very uh, tightly linked to what i just said about smart cities and limiting people in containment zones is a concept called geofencing yeah and geofencing is really building a invisible fence with permissions needed for all everything that is being restricted related to zero trust and conditional access based on whether you have the permissions yeah we will continue the discussion in the second hour folks stick around more with my special guest Aman Jabi coming up right after the short break which will conclusively prove George Soros's role in orchestrating the pandemic. But first, dear patriots, the truth train has brought us a conspiracy in our own backyard. Now you may think you know the story. Now it's like I always say, there's a whole lot of bull out there. So I'd like to give Soros Pelosi, the Zionists, the Mexican, Mexican, the snowflakes, and Stay strong, truth tellers. Truth tellers. Stay strong. Stay strong. listening to RBN in defense of the republic you're listening to real talk radio only on the republic broadcasting network <laughs> 